Please do not message or call, as the following programme is a rerun of a previous live show. Any announcements made during the repeat may now not be applicable. Good evening, everyone. Um, you're listening to Inspire FM and welcome to another, another segment of Ask Your Lawyer. My name is Esther Lassahinde from Liberty Law Solicitors and I'll be your host for tonight. Um, on mic three, um, I have another panellist, a guest with me. Would like to introduce yourself? Good afternoon. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Bodra Lamin. I'm an employment solicitor. Thank you for coming on the show tonight, Mr. Amin. Um, so today we're going to be talking about employment um, matters. So we'll be talking about issues at work and set- settlement agreements. So that's quite a broad topic. So we'll try and cover as much as we can within um, the hour. So let's start with the issues. What kind of issues can arise in the workplace? Well, employment law is a, is a vast um, area of law. There are a number of issues that can arise um, with your employment, um, there are approximately about 30 million employees in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you can imagine, there's, there's quite a vast range of, of issues that can arise. So, for example, um, you know, you could be you could be bullied at work. Yeah. It's a common example of, of an issue that arises. Um, you could be facing disciplinary proceedings okay. in terms of conduct. You might have done something wrong at work or you might be accused of doing something wrong at work mm-hmm. so you could face you could be facing disciplinary proceedings um you could be facing conduct proceedings which basically relate to your performance at work okay. um so if your employer is not happy with your performance at work uh you could be subject to conduct proceedings um you could have issues with your colleagues mm-hmm. so you could be facing sort of um issues around uh, discrimination um, with your colleagues. You could be facing um, bullying from your colleagues and also from management. Um, You might be having issues with your uh, pay. So you might not be getting the correct pay that you should be getting. Um, You might not be paid your, or might not be getting paid your your bonuses or your, um, or your, in terms of um, any sort of other contractual benefits. Yes. So um, a number of issues that can potentially um, arise in mm-hmm. respect of employment. Yeah. Um, so really, you know, I suppose the most important thing is to think about, you know, what what is it that I can do? What You know, in yeah. terms of my situation, what happens next? How can I resolve my issues? Yeah. Reason I say that because um, working in the employment department at Liberty Law Solicitors, I think when I first started doing employment law, I thought that there would be a limited amount of, um, I wouldn't say claims, but issues arising in the workplace. But I think, and you can also say that there's so many different phone calls we get and people come with different issues and we don't want people to be in a situation where they actually may have a claim or there is an issue at the workplace that hasn't been picked up on. Um, so you said something about bullying. What would that come under? Would that come under harassment? or? Well, the thing is, a lot of people get confused when it comes to bullying and harassment because mm-hmm. bullying and harassment, um, there's no actually legal statutory redress for bullying yeah. and harassment unless that bullying and harassment is due to, um, for example, a protected characteristic. Okay. So, for example, if it's due to, due to your race, religion, your gender, um, your disability, um, the, the different protected characteristics. Um, so unless it's to do with um, one of those characteristics, yeah. then there's no statutory redress. Um, So a lot of people get confused, actually. And harassment, um, people get confused as well with harassment because harassment 
um, there's harassment which is referred to on a sort of um, a workplace um, context, mm -hmm. which is bullying and harassment. People say, oh, okay, I've been bullied and harassed yes. or bullying harassment policy. Um, but harassment is specifically in the Equality Act. Um, harassment is where um, you're subject to, um, you know, degrading or uh, intim uh, you know, intimidation, yes. uh, which is due to your um, you know, which is due to a protected characteristic. Okay. Um, so that would be harassment in employment law context. But commonly, like I said, bullying harassment in the workplace, mm -hmm. um, it might be, you know, things like, you know, people not, uh, you know, being nice to you, um, people making comments towards you, yeah. um, you know, people treating you in a different way. Like I said, unless it's to do with a protected characteristic, then... Um, there is no sort of legal redress Basis. to bullying harassment. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's still not acceptable um, for you to be subject to bullying harassment yeah. um, in the workplace. And um, I think we'll touch on basically what people can do to actually resolve these issues oh, if, yes, they, we'll if get, they did face uh, bullying harassment. Yes, we'll get on to that, surely. Um, so I always, when people call in um, to our office with a inquire i think the first few questions we always ask them is you know how long have you been working there and i believe it's two years two years qualifying period is that for all majority areas i know there's a lot of areas but what are the two years qualifying period what does that mainly relate to and what is it the two-year qualifying uh period really relates to um where you want to bring a claim for unfair dismissal yeah. um so you know in in just sorry, just to go back yeah. on um, you know dealing with issues at work because obviously before you even get to that stage of do I have a claim or not, mm -hmm. or whether I have the necessary qualifying period yes. is how you can potentially resolve that your issues at work. Hand, yeah. So I think you know that's the important thing because a lot of people will try to um, go straight to okay, I've got a claim, I want to bring a claim. What do I need? Mm -hmm. um, Really, you have to think about two things. One is, do you want to see your issues resolved? Um, or two, do you want to, to leave your employment? Yeah. Um, if you want to see your issue resolved, then there's a number of um, ways you can go about doing that. Yeah. Um, so you could you could raise a grievance. Okay. Um, grievance is a formal procedure whereby you bring your complaints to your employer. Yeah. Um, and then you ask your employer to resolve um, those grievances. Um, so, for example, you know, if you're being bullied, um, you know, you need to set out What's who's happening? doing the bullying, yeah. the examples of bullying, and what would you like to see happen? Yes. So would you like to see, um, you know, disciplinary action taken against uh, the bullies, or do you want to see a stop yeah. to, to, the, to the bullying and not any, you know, not any disciplinary action? So, really, the steps involved is, first of all, you need to gather evidence because okay. if you just say go to your employer and say, well, look, you know, um, so and so's Good being horrible me. to me, yeah. and um, um, you know, I, I didn't get a promotion. Um, you know, that alone it's doesn't give your employer enough. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to start gathering the information, mm -hmm. um, evidence, um, and it's really important in employment contests because it's very difficult when you have one person's word against another. Exactly. And that often happens in employment because you're sitting in an office. Comments are made, you know, comments are received. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is verbal. 
sometimes yeah. you know verbal conversations take place yeah, yeah. and it's very difficult to actually after the conversation has taken place is to confirm actually what happened so without any hard evidence very difficult to prove your case your grievance so first of all you need to gather evidence mm-hmm. um if you've got emails, you need to, you know, you need to get, you know, you need to pull out those emails. Yeah. If you've got any other evidence, if you've got witnesses, so if someone else has been, you know, sitting next to you in the office and they've heard comments being made, mm-hmm. you the need witnesses. to say, well, yeah, um, this comment was made on this date and so-and-so was present yeah. when this comment was made. Um, you know, is there any other evidence that you can gather? Is there any CCTV? Is there any... Um, um, you know, is there any telephone conversations? Mm-hmm. Anything that you can really gather, any evidence you can gather, um, will support your case. Yeah. Um, it's done. It's done a, a case of really putting all of that evidence into a sort of chronological order. Time really, line, the yes. timeline. Yeah. yeah. What's happened? When? When has it happened? Um, and you know, in in sort of um, number format. Um, so it makes it easier. Sometimes, you know, I've seen grievances and they're like seven pages long yeah. and there's no sort of numbering, there's no um, the sections really. all yeah. over the place. And, you know, you know, anyone reading that will, will end up getting lost, really, and don't, they won't know what are the main issues. Yeah. So it's really important that you keep it to the point, yeah. um, back it up with evidence, uh, and then really explain what is it that you're looking for mm-hmm. in, in terms of your grievance. So... If you've got, you know, concerns or issues at work, um, then, you know, one of the options is is to raise it formally via formal grievance. Okay. Um, you could also do it as an informal. I was going to say because in for- I know some people they might they might have not been in that situation before. They might not want to, let's say, rock the boat. So they may feel like, is there any steps before bringing yeah. a formal grievance? So. Um, Prior to bringing a formal uh, grievance, if you don't want to put your head above the, of the parapet, then mm. y- you can raise issues informally. Yes. So that could be via like an email. Um, you could, you know, you could go to your manager or your or director yes. and say these are the issues. I would like you to look into those issues. Yes. So then you don't necessarily have to formally raise those issues. You can raise those informally. Yes. And informally, you can even have it in writing your 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 issues. Yeah. Um, uh, and just keep a record of it that you raised it on this date, uh, and you and you ask for it to be looked into because some people don't don't really want to go down the formal grievance route mm-hmm. because it involves a lot of time and effort. Sometimes it could be a case of just simply having a word with the person, yeah. and sometimes you might want to complain to a manager so that they can have a word with your colleague to say, look, um, you know, you need this to put a stop to it. Yeah. yeah, or this person feels like this, you might want to consider. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's just as, as effective and 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 easier or quicker to resolve yeah. um, and if if that doesn't resolve the issue then you've always got the option of raising a formal grievance yeah. so um, yeah but by all means the most important thing is that you need to raise Speak if there's up. an issue you have to um, y- you know you have to raise the issue because if your employer doesn't know that there's a problem mm-hmm. then there's Not no way of, of solving it or yeah. being resolved and later on um, that situation can get worse mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you were, like I said, later on, far down the line, if you did want to raise a claim, then you need to show that you've gone through the internal procedures first. Yes. So when someone wants to bring a, for instance, say if there was an issue at work um, and a formal grievance wasn't brought forward, it do they have like a time limit? Because I know that, say, maybe five months later, I know that's quite a stretch, but if they said 
this is what happened to me. Are the employers obliged to now take um, take the matter on and deal with it, or they is there any sort of time limits? Well, in terms of raising grievance, there isn't really a time limit, but mm-hmm. the sooner the better, really, because the longer you leave it. Um, you know, your employer could draw an inference that effectively you <clears throat> accepted the, the breach. Yes. So if someone says something to you at work you were not happy about and, you know, you left it at that, you didn't say anything. And then five months later, mm-hmm. you decided, well, you know, I want to, you know, raise a complaint. Um, really, you know, you, the employer might say, well, look, this is something that happened quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you should have raised it at that point. Yeah. So um, there isn't any time limits, but the sooner the better. There's time limits, obviously, in terms of bringing a claim claim, to the tribunal. So if something happened to you at work, let's just say you were racially discriminated against Mm -hmm. or you suffered some form of um, disability discrimination or or some other form of discrimination, then the strict time limits, because you've got three months less one day to start the process, which is ACAS reconciliation, before you can bring a claim in a tribunal. Um, if you didn't bring, <clears throat> you know, if you didn't bring your claim in time, then technically you'd be out of time. Yeah. But what tends to happen is, if there's a series of um, discriminatory acts, um, then the clock starts ticking from the latest act. So let's okay. just say, for example, um, you know, you know, you're racially discriminated at work in January. Um, you, you know, then you know, you left it at that. You didn't raise an issue. Mm-hmm. Five months down the line, happens again. You didn't okay. raise the issue. Five months down the line happens again. Each time it happens, the clock starts over again. Oh, okay, okay. And then you can potentially bring those previous acts in into consideration, into consideration okay. and into time if you were to show that there are a series of connected acts. Yes. So if someone's making racist comments to you at work, um, you can go back as far as you can, really, if you can show that they're all connected, yes. that they were connected to my race. Yeah. Uh, and that would bring all those claims potentially back into time. Okay. So yeah, there's no time limits, but, you know, if you think that you have a case in respect of, um, you know, some form of discrimination or breach of the Equality Act, mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, you should act quickly. If it's just a case whereby you're not getting on, you know, with somebody at work yeah. or something like that, then there's no sort of strict time limits when it comes to that. Okay. Same time limits apply to all different sorts. If you're not getting paid correctly... Mm-hmm. If you haven't paid, you, you know, wages correctly, again, the three months less one day time limit also applies to that as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if your employer hasn't paid it correctly, then you need to um, bring it within the three months less one day. Otherwise, you would, you, you know, you would be out of time okay. in terms of bringing it in, in the pay. employment tribunal. Okay. You'd be out of time, but you can bring it potentially another way in terms of a breach of contract claim in the county court because okay. effectively, you know, not being paid um, your contractual entitlement is a breach of contract. Yes. Okay, so after they've raised a formal, informal or formal mm. grievance, what's, if that hasn't worked, say the employee, employer has maybe heard the matter but not really given you the answer you would like, what's the next step? Yeah, the important thing is most employees will have you know, bullying, harassment policy or grievance Late, policy. It's yeah. important before you go down that route is to is to get a copy of the mm-hmm. grievance policy or the bullying harassment policy. Yeah. You know, find out, you know, what happens, what are the timescales, because each employee will have different ways, different procedures of mm-hmm. dealing with it. Uh, but most, um, you know, <clears throat> policies that I've seen tend to be 
quite similar because yeah. they tend to follow what's known as the ACAS code of practice. Mm-hmm. ACAS, ACAS code of practice are, um, they're not statutory, but they're highly um, um, influential, influential yeah. um, you know, set of procedures, mm-hmm. um, which most employers uh, will look to follow. Yeah. Um, so a lot, a lot of the um, disciplinary policies, grievance policies are according to the ACAS code of practice. Mm-hmm. A good reason being that if an employer or employee was to, you know, fail to follow the ACAS code of practice, then any compensation awarded at tribunal could be increased or decreased by up to 25%. Okay. So hence the reason why, you know, employees will tend to follow. It doesn't always happen and a lot of time doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. but tend to follow the ACAS code of practice. So um, first point of call, really, check your procedures, check the um, uh, disciplinary grievance procedure. Mm -hmm. If there's no disciplinary grievance procedure, have a look on the ACAS website because there'll be a model template. um, And also you can look at the ACAS code of practice in terms of how employers should deal with, you know, grievances at work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you put in a grievance, really the employer is then, uh, we should then investigate the grievance. As part of the investigation, they should have a meeting with you to go through the grievance with you to ask questions, obtain further information. Yes. If you're complaining about somebody else, then they should also um, interview that person mm-hmm. as part of the grievance pr- procedure. Um, you should have the right to be accompanied yeah. to any meeting. Um, in terms of um, being accompanied, that should be, for example, a former uh, workplace, co- um, sorry, a workplace colleague or a, um, a trade union representative. Yeah. <clears throat> um, external... Um, you know, trying to get external representations often difficult because employers will not usually allow external representation to mm-hmm. be present uh, with you. If you're finding it difficult to get somebody, then you can certainly ask your employer. Yeah. You know, if there's no trade union rep or none of your colleagues want to come along with you, um, you could ask to say, "Look, can I bring a family member that, with me?" That's allowed. Well, um, it's up to the employer to decide. Okay. Um, so it's up to the employer to decide whether um, they allow somebody from outside to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, you know, always ask. You know, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, exactly. So ask the question. You know, can I bring somebody with you? A lot of the time, I've had. Um, um, you know, internal procedures where people have taken family members mm-hmm. along with them because they can't find anybody else, and employers have allowed that to take place. Okay. So a lot of them, you know, a mother or a or a sister or brother have, have, have you know gone along. Um, so yeah, as part of the grievance, like I said, you know, they they need to look into your complaints. Um, you know, you should take someone with you. You have mm-hmm. the right representation. Um, they need to take into account your um, your your grievance, what you're saying. Yeah. <clears throat> if there's any clarification. They should ask for any clarification. Um, and, uh, you know, as part of that process, what is it that you're looking for as an outcome? So they need yeah. to look into that. So once the employer gathered all the information, they need to, you know, if they need to interview anybody, they need to interview people. And then they should provide you an outcome mm-hmm. of the grievance. Any deadlines so you don't have to come back? Yeah, like I said, it depends on the policy. A lot of policies won't actually specify any deadlines okay. in terms of when grievances should be. Um, you know, when the outcome should be, because it depends on the complexity of the grievance. Mm -hmm. Um, But it should be within reason, you know, reasonable time. Unfortunately, a lot of employers will take their time, you Mm. know, sometimes, you know, it could be a couple of months. Sometimes you've had grievances which have gone on for a year. Sorry to backtrack, but what Mm. kind of matters would, I mean, out of maybe your opinion or what you've seen that have actually caused a grievance to stretch out for that long? Um, a lot of the time, the you know, like decision makers are not 
you know, present, you know, people might be off on sick leave. Okay. Um, you know, HR, you know, might not be available. Okay. Um, all sorts of things. <clears throat> you know, the people that need to be interviewed, they might be on sick leave. Mm-hmm. Some people leave, you know, obviously during, during grievances and things like that. Yeah. So that delays things. So, you know, all sorts of reasons, really. But like I said, uh, you know, in a lot of employees will try to put it on a back burner because it's not something that they necessarily want to deal with mm-hmm. um, as quickly as possible. Yes. Um, you know, they might have other things going on. So, um, you know, as part of that grievance process, really, you should you should be asking for timescales, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, one is a timescale. And if you're not happy about the timescale, you can push your employer. Raise yeah. yeah. Uh, and then at the end of the whole process, then you'll receive an outcome of your grievance, mm-hmm. whether your grievance are upheld or they're not upheld. Yeah. Um, and then you also have the chance to appeal. So okay. if you're not happy <clears throat> with the outcome or you're not happy with the with the process being followed, then you've got the, you know, you should have the right to, to appeal the outcome. Okay. Um and then, you know, someone else will usually would appeal, um, someone who's not been part who's not been investigating yeah, your we'll grievance will then deal with it. So it can be impartial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, in terms of the facts and witnesses and things like that, they're not going to change. Yeah. So it's quite difficult to change an outcome of a, of a grievance. Mm-hmm. How many times can you appeal? Is it just the one or... Again, Usually just the on one, just yeah. The one. Usually just the one appeal. So, okay. um, yeah, so it's quite difficult in, in terms of my experience, in terms of grievances, um, especially when you're raising grievance against, you know, a company yeah. um, in terms of workplace issue let's say health and safety or something like that you're making a grievance or complaint against mm-hmm. how things are followed it's quite difficult to actually um get you know to have your grievances upheld yeah. because obviously employers will want to um you know don't really want to sort of um accept any failings yeah, so they'll people, look at yeah yeah and it's, it's the same thing really when it's complaints against managers or directors and things like that again <clears throat> very rarely would you find um, grievances being upheld? Mm-hmm. So, really, in the circumstances, you know, I know a lot of people in the first instance they'll think, okay, I'll, I'll stick in a grievance or, um, you know, formal complaint and mm-hmm. then see. But it depends. If you are, you know, if you're considering leaving your employer, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, that, if you're unhappy really with your, you know, where you are, then you might want to consider without prejudice in a yeah, conversation. I was going to get onto that because after the um, grievance hasn't been upheld, mm. what is the next step? Because I know a lot of people, um, maybe they want, maybe they let their emotions get the better of them. So they call up, or even if they don't call up, regardless of not being invo- involving uh, a lawyer or a legal representative, they're quite emotional, emotional about how they've been treated. So they believed and they're strongly, they're adamant that they've got a claim. Um, but it's good to not jump the gun. So what are the other steps before even talking to ACAS or to bring a claim? I heard you say something about without prejudice letters. So. Yeah, well, I think without prejudice basically means off the record. So mm-hmm. really, e- even before raising a grievance, mm-hmm. you could potentially consider without prejudice um, in a conversation with mm-hmm. your employer because grievances take time. Um, it it takes up a lot of business time, yeah. a lot of energy, um, and if if it's the case, you know, sometimes people want to see a change in terms of the working environment, working practices, which yes. is fine. You'd go down the informal or formal route, raise a grievance, but if you're just unhappy, you want to leave, 
um, even before even bringing a claim or even before even raising a grievance, yeah. you could potentially consider without prejudice conversation. Now, without prejudice basically means off the record. Um, it's not something really that you should undertake yourself. Okay. Um, because um, what you're trying to effectively do is negotiate an exit from your employer. Okay. And you'd be asking for some form of compensation. Okay. Now, it's not, that's not something that you would do yourself because you're, you, know, you could end up getting fobbed off, frankly. Yeah. Um, you might be asking for too much or you might be asking for too, too little. little exactly. So it's important that if you're in an employment situation, you're unhappy and you're thinking about leaving, um, you wouldn't really hand in, you know, it's not advisable for you to hand in your resignation or anything yeah. like that. Okay. Get legal advice. Um, yep, get yeah. legal advice. You'd get, uh, it's important that you get legal advice mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you could have a very good claim. Yes. Uh, and it's not something that you would want to necessarily... Um, reach some kind of um, settlement with the employer mm-hmm. at a very early stage. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something whereby you don't have much of a claim. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that you get um, legal advice mm-hmm. um, in terms of your case. What what claims do you have? What are the prospects of success? Yeah. What are the next steps? If you wanted to um, you know, have that off-the-record conversation with mm-hmm. the employer, then you'd ask, <coughs> excuse me, you'd ask a solicitor um, or employment solicitor to undertake that task because they know exactly what what to do, um, how to approach the employer, mm-hmm. what to say in terms of what they're looking at. Yeah. So um, that's one option okay. you could potentially consider. We'll stop there because we're yeah. uh, coming close to the end of the first half. So okay. we've covered quite a lot, but we're just going to have a short break. And once we come back, we will discuss more on the next steps. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Good evening, everyone. Um, We're back at Inspire FM. You're listening to the Ask Your Lawyer segment. If you're just tuning in, my name is Esther Lassahinde and I am the host for tonight. I'm joined with Bodro Amin of Liberty Law Solicitors. And tonight we're covering um, the issues at the workplace and settlement agreements. Um, Just to let you know that this is a live show. So if you have any questions, you can call in on 01582 4 eight one eight two two or you can whatsapp um on o triple seven nine four eight one eight two two um so before the break bodge we were talking about without prejudice letters um could you just re i wouldn't say recap but just continue on what we were talking about for the break yeah so um like we discussed if if, if there's an issue at work mm-hmm. um then Prior to, for example, if you've got issue at work, prior to raising a grievance, um, you could have a without prejudice conversation with yeah. the employer, which basically means off the record. So you can say whatever you want and come to some kind of negotiated settlement mm-hmm. with the employer. And it applies to, um, it can apply to, for example, if you're under investigation mm-hmm. uh, for disciplinary issue, um, you can potentially approach your employer on a without prejudice basis. If you're subject to capability proceedings, mm-hmm. you can approach your employer on a without prejudice basis. Um, so basically, it's about coming to a negotiated settlement in respect of your employment issues, okay. rather than, for example, raising a grievance, yeah. which takes employers you know, a lot of time and effort to, to investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in respect of uh, a disciplinary process, again, a disciplinary process, a lot of time and effort, mm-hmm. business time is taken, capability proceedings, it takes a lot of time and effort for um, uh, an, an employer to take you through capability proceedings because mm-hmm. it's not just about setting targets, they have to put in place support, they have to have regular meetings with you. Uh, and even at the end of the process, even if they decide to dismiss you, they still have to provide you with notice. Yeah. So um, you can preempt um, all of those things um, by trying to reach a negotiated settlement, which mm-hmm. is done on a without prejudice off the record basis. Yeah. But like I explained before the break, it's not something that can we would advise people just anyone. to go in and yeah. say to the HR, you know, oh, can I have a without prejudice conversation and mm-hmm. then start to negotiate in terms of what you're looking for. Uh, because like I said, first of all, you need to get an assessment of your case. Yes. You know, does the employer really have... Uh, a, a case stand on when they're trying to dismiss you for disciplinary for conduct issue mm-hmm. do you really have any performance issues at work or they're just trying to get rid, rid of, of you, you. Yeah. Um, so these are all the things that need to be um, looked into do you have any um, potential claims in terms of discrimination uh, you know any discrimination claims mm-hmm. um, could you have an unfair dismissal claim um, you know could you have a wrongful dismissal claim mm-hmm. Um, could you be potentially tied to redundancy? Is it a redundant situation? Yes. So these are all all the things that need to be looked at. And the only way you're going to get um, any sort of uh, information or detailed information about that mm-hmm. is to get, you know, is to approach a professional yes. um, who can actually look at your case, look at the facts of your case, explain to you, okay, well, potentially you've got this, this and this case. Like the merits of the case. The merits of yeah. the case, yeah. Well, what First of all, what um, potential claims you've got mm-hmm. uh, and secondly, what are the um, prospects of success of those claims? Exactly. It doesn't necessarily, just because you've got a claim doesn't necessarily mean to say that you're going to be successful yeah. at tribunal. Uh, and at the same time, what is it that you should be asking for in terms of a settlement? Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, if you ask for too much, then employers will say, "Well, what's the point of me, you know, trying to settle this?" Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, you could be asked for too little. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we get people coming where they've just been offered their notice period to sign a settlement agreement, mm-hmm. which we'll probably discuss if we've got time later on. Um, and all they're getting is a notice period, which they would be entitled to in any event. Exactly. So, you know, is is there any point to that? So that's why it's really important that, you know, people get professional advice. A lot of people don't, unfortunately, in, in employment situations, get professional advice. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, well, first of all, a lot of people can't afford exactly. um, to, to pay for, uh, especially if you don't have any union membership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got union membership, then you've got your trade union you can ask your trade union you know officer or you can ask um you know the trade union to provide you with advice yeah um and if you've got a case they will also you know support your case all the way to tribunal um but like yeah a lot of people don't have um you know the money to pay for legal advice but it's really important um because you yeah you might be paying you know, a couple hundred pounds for legal advice, but potentially, you know, you could be waiving your rights to thousands of pounds. Mm-hmm. That you're entitled that to. That you're entitled to compensation, or you could be waiving your, you know, rights to, um, you know, thousands of pounds in, in respect of a negotiated settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important. You have to think about, um, you know, you got you need to think about what, you know, what is it that you want to do? Mm-hmm. And really in this situation, it's really important to get 
professional advice because um, because a lot of the time you can have an effect not just on your job but potentially your future as well yes. because if you dismiss from a job then <clears throat> you know it, you know if you apply for other jobs they might want a reference and then I want a reference and yeah. the employer will say, well, yeah, they were employed by us, but they were dismissed. Mm-hmm. And that could potentially affect your future uh, prospects in the yeah. employment. Yeah. Um, and in England Wales, you're not legally entitled to a reference. Mm-hmm. So these are all the things you need to think about. And as part of any negotiated settlement, you could, uh, you know, you, you'd be entitled to ask for a reference mm-hmm. as part of the settlement package. So it's really important that you get professional advice if, if you're facing some kind of issues at work. Yeah. Um, especially if you're thinking about leaving your employer. Mm-hmm. Really important that you get professional advice um, because you could be jeopardising your, your future and any potentially any settlement. Yeah. Okay, so we've been talking about um, maybe leaving work on mm. a, and submitting a without prejudice mm. letter. Um, but... What if you want to continue working and you're just not happy with how everything's going? What are the next steps? Because we've spoken about briefly about ACAS. When do they come in? Well, the thing is, if you um, you know if you if you don't reach some kind of settlement uh, with the employer and you have you know for example you've got a claim you know mm-hmm. you've been discriminated against or you've been dismissed unfairly. Yeah. The next step is uh, to look at potential tribunal claim. Mm-hmm. But again, it's important that you get some kind of legal advice because yeah. tribunal claims can be very lengthy, can be costly. Mm-hmm. Um, although in tribunal claims, each side pays their own costs, there is a growing trend now whereby employers are asking for their costs yeah. to be paid if they lose. Uh, sorry, if they win their um, case against you. Um, so the first uh, starting point will be to start ACAS Reconciliation. Okay. Um, it's a free service. Um, ACAS, you know, try to set you know, reach conciliation with your employer. Mm-hmm. If they're not able to reach conciliation with your employer, then they issue you with a certificate. Once you've got that certificate, then you, you can use that certificate to issue a claim in the tribunal. Mm-hmm. Um, like we alluded to in the show earlier on, you've got three months less one day to um, to start the ACAS reconciliation process from the date of incident. Okay. So if, if that's a dismissal, it's three months less one day from the date of dismissal. Mm-hmm. If it's a... Act of discrimination is three months less one day from the act of discrimination. The last act. The last act, okay. yeah. If you haven't paid your wages or your bonus or your commission, it's three months less one day from the date that you were due to be paid. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to um, think about deadlines because a lot of people just leave it and then before, you know, when they approach somebody, it's too late yeah. because that time period has passed. I think that's why it's, I think we stressed the importance that it's good to have legal, um, maybe not representation, but at least legal advice because, you know, we've had a few people that might have come in and they've essentially, I wouldn't say messed up their case, but timelines all over the place or they've pleaded it wrongly. Mm. Realistically, would you say it's something they can take on on their own or at some stage they would have to call in for legal help? Well, the thing is you can be a lay person and take your case to employment tribunal, mm. but employment law is very technical and employment tribunal um, claims can be very, very technical. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that the tribunal asks you to produce, um, you know, if you're just a lay person, you find it very difficult to yeah. produce. Um, and you can be taken advantage of during the process because of an employer. They almost likely get. They will get, yeah, they will put money, you know, they will put money into this because 
you know, they've, they've got the money. Yeah. So they'll get, you know, all the professionals, barristers and solicitors on the, on the case, mm-hmm. you know, working on it. Um, so, you know, from the outside, the way, you know, people get the perception that, oh, I, I can do this myself. You know, I get the certificate and I issue a claim mm-hmm. and it's quite straightforward and, yeah. you know, it's quite easy to... Um, it's not, but it, but it's very it's difficult really not, because yeah. a lot of people once they start the process, then they come to us because they've been asked to produce so and so documents XYZ or or the um, the respondents' representative is you know uh, um, is giving them a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they come to us. But then we look at the claim and then we look at it and we think, well, you know, it's not been pleaded properly. Yeah. It's not been drafted properly. They missed things out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it shouldn't even been brought forward because it's probably sometimes weak, yeah it shouldn't be brought case. forward yeah um, sometimes um, they've put information in there which is not relevant mm-hmm. so all of these things come up especially when people have represented themselves um, so it's really important to to get legal advice before mm-hmm. you start on that process okay. um, because once you start that process then the employer would have um, um, you know, had costs in terms of their legal advice, mm-hmm. which they've had to take on board. So, um, yeah, it's it's really important, especially tribunal cases that you, you know, you get professional advice and support. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it can be quite lengthy, it can be costly, yeah, but it depends on the situation. You know, some think you've got a very good case and you, by all means you're entitled to take your case forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes people are misconceived because they think, yeah, I've got a good case and then, mm-hmm. you know... they That's all they're riding on. Yeah, yeah and then they take, go to tribunal and they lose and they have costs awarded against them. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that people know what they're doing and they get professional advice. Yeah. So um, and just to add on to that, I think some people, it's in the back of their mind, but it should be at the forefront, the costs issue that if they get to the end, they go through to the full hearing and they're not successful, they, they can be whacked with hefty costs. I think that's something that should be taken into consideration. So um, getting legal advice early on, I do think is the best absolutely yeah yeah um so moving on um if they don't go to that stage they don't want to talk to ACAS or move forward with a claim um could we talk more about settlement agreements yeah so the settlement agreements like i alluded to earlier can arise from the without prejudice conversation Mm -hmm. so often when you're asking for um some form of settlement um then the employer will always almost always then ask for this to be in writing okay so the terms of your you know your negotiated exit from your employer mm-hmm. will be contained within the settlement agreement a settlement agreement is basically a contract yeah so a contract whereby you receive you know x amount of compensation or some x gratia payment um plus your contractual entitlements for example your notice period your holiday pay mm-hmm. any bonuses is commission that you're entitled to um, and in return you agree to waive your rights to bring a claim both mm-hmm. now and in the future yeah. so effectively employees say okay fair enough you know I'll, you know I'll, we'll give you this much this much um, but in return you agree not to bring a claim mm-hmm. and that's basically effectively what a settlement agreement is mm-hmm. So it's important that once your employees offered you a settlement agreement that you get legal advice. Now, usually in the settlement agreement, um, the fee, there'll be a legal fee in that agreement, yeah. um, which your employee will pay to your solicitor mm-hmm. for you to get legal advice. Because it's really important because you are effectively, once you're signing that agreement, 
you're effectively waiving your rights to bring a claim by for now in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that you know what you are signing yourself up to. Yeah. Because you could be potentially waiving your rights to quite a large claim. Yes. So hence the reason why um, that you get legal advice and that's paid for by your employer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's commonly what I do, mm-hmm. um, you know, on a sort of week, on a regular basis mm-hmm. is people come with their settlement agreements. Yeah which sometimes they've negotiated themselves or sometimes the employers offer to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still not too late at that stage if you're not happy with the settlement to ask for more. Yeah. Um, because until you've signed, until the agreement's been signed by all parties, it's not a binding agreement. Yes. So, you know, at that stage, still not too late. And mm-hmm. often I, I, I negotiate a higher settlement than the one that's been offered. Yeah. Because I think, well, in the circumstances, this is not enough mm-hmm. in terms of what's been offered. Um, so that you know, that's where settlement agreements come into. Mm-hmm. Very commonplace, very common in um, employment mm-hmm. for for settlement agreements take place. Um, but you know, it's really important. Yeah, you, you know, you know, it's imperative that you get legal advice on I those agreements. Just, yeah, I just wanted to clarify: is it um, must they have legal advice, or is it something they can? negotiate and sign off on their own or is it always that there has to be legal yeah they have to get legal advice well that's one of the um um that's one of the elements of the agreement okay and um whoever's given the advice has to sign off um that they are a solicitor or relevant mm-hmm. uh, independent advisor um and that there is in place um insurance mm-hmm because if the advice that they're given is you know negligent you suffer the loss then potentially as an employee you could bring a claim yeah. and you can say well look you know you advised me to sign this agreement and um um you know i potentially could have got much higher if i didn't sign the agreement mm-hmm. so that's why there has to be policy um uh, insurance in place or whoever the advisor is mm-hmm. um so that if there's any claims um that they've got redress and that's part of the advisor certificate, which is contained within the settlement agreement. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is an essential part of a settlement agreement that you get legal advice. Mm-hmm. And since it's something that you deal with quite on a, on a regular basis, what issues have you seen arise? Because I know some people, they just want to have it signed off because mm-hmm. they feel like they're even lucky that they've got a settlement agreement. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's a consultation and evaluation of the settlement agreement needs to take place to see if they are being... Um, undersold or they're not getting their full rights. Have you seen any issues arise? And if yeah. so, what kind of issues? Yeah, common common issues is that um, in terms of waiving your rights to uh, to both now and the future, mm-hmm. exemptions to that are your accrued pension rights, um, you know, a latent personal injury um, and rights to enforce the agreement. Mm-hmm. And sometimes settlement agreements don't contain that. Yeah. So it's really important that those elements are included in the settlement agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, another common um, issue that arises are restricted covenants, because yeah. a lot of the time the employer will insist that restricted covenants in your contract of employment carry on after the termination of your, of your employment. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, restricted covenants could be that you can't work for a competitor for six months. Yeah. Um, you can't entice away customers or suppliers mm-hmm. for six months. Uh, you can't approach your um, former employer and entice away colleagues or 
managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there could be a whole host of restricted covenants. Yeah. Sometimes the restricted covenants could last for 12 months. Mm-hmm. So it could have quite serious implications for you. Yeah. So you might think, yeah, I'm signing this agreement, I'm getting all this money. But then you could be out of work for, you know, six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that, um, you know, you get an employment solicitor to, to explain to you what the uh, restricted covenants are, mm-hmm. what the implications are, and whether you can negotiate. Sometimes you can negotiate um, the restricted covenants. Yeah. Sometimes you can ask for a higher settlement if the employee is insisting on a restricted covenants, especially mm-hmm. if they're quite onerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, all, all these things that need to be considered yeah. um, as part of a settlement agreement. Mm-hmm. So, Bodra, we're... Moving on, we're approaching the um, holiday season and um, the new year. What kind of employment um, issues or matters do you think arise at this time of year? Or is it just, is it not really restricted to the time of year that we're in? Well, employment issues happen all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, different times of the year, different things can potentially arise. At this time of the year, settlement agreement is quite common because employers want to, if there's any issues, might want to, um, you know, come to some kind of agreement with employees before the end of the year, yeah. 31st of December. So it's like a fresh start effectively mm-hmm. coming into January. Um, you get quite a lot of um, Issues, disciplinary issues are at this time of the year. Okay, how does that arise? Uh, because, you know, you've got, you know, Christmas parties and mm. things like that happening. Um, you know, issues can arise, a lot of issues arise mm-hmm. around that. Um, you might have issues around, um, you know, holidays and things like that. That mm-hmm. can be quite common around this time of the yeah. year. Yeah. Who can take holidays and, you know, people, a lot of people want to take the holidays around this time of the yeah. year, time off. Sickness absence. It's yeah. quite a big issue because yeah. you've got lots of colds and coughs. Flu and season. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, you can also have quite a lot, you know, stress as well. Yeah. Sort of people around this time get quite stressed, uh, work-related stress, a lot of deadlines to meet and things mm-hmm. like that. Preparing for the new year also. Yeah, and things like that. And then subsequently in the new year, people come back. A lot of people are on a high mm-hmm. around the Christmas time. Then they come back. Mm-hmm. They're quite on a low because they're unhappy about their job. Yeah. Um, issues can arise. Um, so, yeah, it can be quite a busy time of the year in respect of employment issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's something for, for people to think about. Take into consideration. Mm. Okay. Um, and finally, with remedy. So we've talked all about what kind of issues that can arise mm. um, and how we can deal with them. So what's the, just to lay out again, the remedies that are available for people that have issues at their workplace? Yeah, it depends. Uh, in terms of remedies, it depends on what claim you have. For example, if you've not been paid your correct salary, commission, bonus, okay. uh, wages, then you have a claim for what's known as unlawful deduction of wages okay. or a breach of contract claim. Um, currently, you can only bring a breach of contract claim once you've left employment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can have a, uh, you can raise an unlawful deduction of wages claim whilst you're still employed. Okay. So the remedy for that would be um, that you'd be looking for um, your loss Mm-hmm. That you suffered as a result. Yeah. Um, if you've been discriminated against, then the remedy is um, injury to feelings award. Okay. Um, and there's what's known as vento bans, three bans um, of compensation. 
Um, so if you've been discriminated against, the remedy is a personal um, injury to feelings award. Um, if you've been un, uh, dismissed, whether mm-hmm. it's constructive dismissal, wrongful dismissal, unfair dismissal, um, then your remedy is um, compensation. Okay. And there's two um, elements of the compensation. One mm-hmm. is the basic award, one is the compensatory award. Basic award is a stra- statutory award, which is based on your you know, length of service, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the amount you earn each week, um, <clears throat> so and your age. Okay. So it's based um, based around that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, depending on what issue you have, there's different types of um, um, compos- You know, there's different Remedies. types of remedy. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in terms of unfair dismissal, mm-hmm. um, constructive dismissal as well. There's the, the compensatory. Compensatory is the losses arising mm-hmm. from the dismissal. So, for example, if it's taking you three months to find another job. That yeah. would be your losses arising. If you find another job and it doesn't pay as much, that would be your loss arising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually in the you know tribunal, you can think for up to fifty-two weeks in terms okay. of your um, in terms of your loss. Uh, you can also um, you know in terms of future loss as well. Mm-hmm. You can um, you can uh, look to that as well. So uh, you know a number of remedies available, and it's support, like I said, that's why you should get professional advice because yeah, I was going to say it, you know it's quite a it's quite a job trying to work out you know what someone should be entitled to mm-hmm. and um, on your own is not easy exactly, especially when you've got <clears throat> like an unfair dismissal claim and mm-hmm. you've got pension bonuses and things like that. Yeah, you know, working all of those things out can mm-hmm. take a considerable amount of time. Yeah, um, because you don't want to shortchange yourself mm-hmm. when you bring a claim. Mm-hmm. So we've covered quite a lot in this session. We've talked about ACAS, bringing the claim, mm. grievance, grievances, mm. um, taking it to the tribunal. Um, and just to stress, um, the reason why we say to get legal advice quite early on is it's not an easy task, especially if you're adamant that you want to bring a claim all the way through to the tribunal. There's so many... Um, I wouldn't say restrictions, but deadlines that are strict and that mm. would need to be stuck to. So, um, and again, it's not funded. You know, with criminal, you get legal aid, but mm. with employment, it's kind of all up to you. So what would be your last bit of advice shortly with people that may have a grievance, just maybe starting from the beginning to end? Well, the main advice really to get professional uh, advice mm-hmm. from the outset uh, because you don't want to sort of jeopardise your claim by yeah. doing something incorrectly. Or rash. Um, yeah. So really, you know, get professional advice and the different ways you can get that advice. You can approach your employment solicitor. Mm-hmm. You can, um, if you've got a trade union, you know, approach a trade union. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the Citizen Advice Bureau. Yeah, uh, There's, there's a sort of different, um, um, you know, different areas that you can look into getting support. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a disability, there are disability charities out there that mm-hmm. can provide you with support as well, free advice, yeah. help and support. Um, so, yeah, really important that you, from the outset, you get some advice, professional mm-hmm. advice and mm-hmm. support. I agree. Um, so we're coming to the end of our show. We've, I think we've covered quite a lot and I hope you guys have gathered some information. I think the main point is to, I think, not be afraid to speak up, especially if there's something, you know, pressing in your heart that you have maybe been unfairly treated or discriminated against. So um, that's the end of our show. Thank you, Mr. Amin, for joining us and thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you. Salam 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.